evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, 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 it's the Anarchist World this week, and yes, it's the second month of 2016. My name's Joseph Toscoe, I'm hosting today's program. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchist Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So if you're looking for really radical stuff, I suggest you join IS and go to Syria, you know. But if you're really looking for intelligent, committed, interesting people who actually want to ensure that everybody in this society has the potential to fulfil their potential. Well, that's an oxymoron. I use the word potential twice. It doesn't matter. This is it, the anarchist world this week. And if you miss the program, if nature calls... Your partner drags you away from the devil's message. That's us. If the, if the federal police knock on your door, if ASIO is listening to the program, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. During the course of the program, you've had enough. You can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. And you can go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. And obviously, there's a lot of other websites and things you get involved in, and we will speak about that because we are not here to react. We are not here to react to what the government of the day is doing, what the bureaucracy is doing. We are here to redefine, that's right, redefine the political program. We are a political movement as well, and Pipsy's a political party, but we are a political movement. And the idea of this program, although it's under the, the anarchist world this week, the idea of this program is to encourage people to join together and take action to ensure that we not only protect the gains of the past, that we actually improve the lives of ourselves and those around us. And that's what it's about. It's not about listening. You can listen to whatever you like. You can watch whatever you like these days. You can watch a beheading. Up to you. But if you want to change, you want to be more than a viewer, a spectator, you want to be more than, you know, a member of the somebody should do something about that tribe, you know, 
or you want to stop being a gunner, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this, then this is your chance. Because what we do during the Anarchist World this week is we raise alternatives. We look at other issues and we encourage you to take that up. For example, I'll give you a simple example. This is so simple, you know, even I can understand it. You know, it's got to be pretty simple for me to understand it. But I don't understand why 99.9% of Australians don't seem to understand it. Maybe it's that 24-hour propaganda uh, bombardment which we're, so, we're all subjected to day in and day out, 365 days a year, 366 days in a leap year. Simple. Now, currently it's an election year. You like that? It's a federal election year. And the big debate is taxation and revenue. All right, sounds fair enough. Obviously, there's a crisis in the public health system. There's a crisis in the public education system. There's crisis in public housing. There's crisis as far as the public infrastructure is concerned. There ain't any money in the larder. There's no flour. There's no salt. And the baking powder is off. Okay? So, what do you do? What do you do? Now, let's not forget that Australia is divided, as I said before, into four classes. Corporate classes, the corporate squatters, that 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. 15% of Australians who are part of the investment class have got enough disposable income to use this country's investment-friendly taxation laws to uh, augment the income. All those dills who are in small business and pay-as-you-earn taxpayers who provide the bulk of the revenue, taxation revenue in this country, about 70%, and those 33% of Australians who are on social security benefits, you know, single parents, people on new start allowance, the old dull, old age pensions, disability support pensions, and the list goes on and on. So that's it. That's it's simple. It's very simple. So what does the government want to do? What does business want to do? They want to increase the goods and services tax from 10 to 15% and divert that money into public health, public education. Let's not forget how the federal government under our departed, only politically departed, leader Mr Abbott ripped out $100 billion from the public health system, but that's another story. We'll talk about that maybe another day. So they want to increase the GST. Now, I'll give you an example. Let's say, and everybody says it's such a wonderful tax because it affects everybody equally. Well, it doesn't. It's like this. You know, it doesn't affect everybody equally, irrespective of any talk about compensation, which will last about a year. The fact is, when the GST increases, those who earn least pay a bigger percentage of their income as GST than those who, you know, have got more. Now, why is the debate, and it's all going to be about the GST between now and the next federal election, whether it's a double disillusion election, which it won't be, whether it's a federal election after the May budget, which it could be, or whether it's a federal election at the end of the, of the year, why is all the debate about a goods and services tax? 
Now, where is the debate? Where is the debate about corporate Australia and the fact that corporate Australia does not pay tax in this country? Corporate Australia pays no tax, most of them. They pay voluntary taxation. So why doesn't corporate Australia pay its way? Now, unfortunately, if you believe the Turnbull government and its supporters, Australia has a spending problem. There are too many bludgers on welfare. And I noticed one of Murdoch's little rags in Melbourne, its biggest selling rag in Australia, was going on about the fact that there's welfare fraud in the northern suburbs and that Centrelec is trawling social media and they raise the disgusting case of two people, two people on the new start allowance who are having a baby and they're both claiming single new start allowance. Oh, corruption at the highest level, isn't it? So... As I said before, Australia doesn't have a spending problem. It has a revenue problem. Now, you may find this hard to believe, but over 30% of corporations based in Australia in the last financial year legally, and the key word is legally, paid no tax. Some like Qantas made $10 billion. While the majority of those that did pay tax paid less than 5% tax. If only I could pay 5% tax. It's obvious to everyone, everyone, except our federal politicians, that Australia has a revenue problem. Right? If you've got four people on a boat that's drifting in the Pacific. Three people are doing the best they can to catch water and catch fish and survive. And the fourth one expects to be fed and watered while doing no work. You've got a problem because there's a third less for everybody or a quarter less for everybody. And that's the problem, isn't it? We have a revenue problem. As I said before, well, on a daily basis, the corporate-owned media, especially Murdoch's uh, media, carries on about welfare fraud and the burden carried by the community because 33% of Australians rely on old age and disability and unemployment and single parents' benefits to survive. How many Australians know that Mr Murdoch that the Murdoch-owned News Corporation, which owns over 70% of Australia's newspapers, received an $886 million tax refund during the 2013-2014 financial year and paid no tax. (laughs) Thank the heavens. Thank the lords. They didn't actually get a tax refund during the 2014-2015 financial year. While 21st Century Fox, Murdoch's other media arm, paid less than 1% tax during the same period. Now, I know there are other corporations. There are at least 500 that paid 
that are making billions of dollars of profits that paid no tax. But I love, love to raise the issue of the Murdoch-owned media because of their gross hypocrisy. While they carry on about so-called welfare fraud or the trade unions, all we see at the same time is they don't pay tax. The hypocrisy is stupefying. And remember, I'd like to make this very clear, it's done legally, as I said last week, legally, L-E-G-A-L-L-Y. It seems in Australia... There is one set of taxation laws for corporations, the corporate squatters, and another set for the rest of the community. Unless the federal, unless federal politicians of all political hues are willing to make corporate taxation revenue their number one priority during 2016, we can expect to be told ad nauseum, there is not enough money for public health, public education, public housing, public infrastructure and social security benefits so we need to introduce a GST. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Now, again, I'm simple, very simple, just like most of our listeners. Obviously, you wouldn't be listening if you weren't simple folk like me. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? If you've got four members of a family, three earning and one, you know, being asked to be drip-fed, you'll get a problem. And this is what corporate Australia asks. They're being drip-fed by the blood, sweat and tears and sacrifices of the rest of the community. In 2016, the power of our parliamentary representatives, they supposedly represent us, to make decisions that benefit the people they represent has been usurped by that small section of society, less than 1%, that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And we've got the ridiculous thing in three trade agreements, which we've signed willy-nilly over the last few years, where once you've signed a free trade agreement with another entity somewhere else in the uh, on planet Earth, that if our representatives pass legislation in Parliament that benefits the people they represent, you and me, but somehow, somehow doesn't, you know, it upsets some corporation that we've signed a free trade agreement on their behalf that we have to compensate them. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I mean, I hear politicians getting up and saying, we demand to protect our sovereign borders. And they put people on Manus Island and Naruta rot for years. We demand to protect our sovereign borders. But when it comes to protecting our sovereign rights, they're willing to sell them to the highest bidder, possibly the lowest bidder. I mean, there's something something really unfair about the land of a fair go. I love it for all. A fair go for all. Land of a fair go for all. You know, when the richest 1% own more than 40% of the country's wealth, while the poorest 40% own less than 1% of the country's wealth. 
Now, I'm not here just to crap on. I mean, I could sit here and crap on for the next two weeks without a break, put a catheter in. But that's not going to achieve anything. We know the facts. You know the facts that 63 people own half the world's wealth. We know the fact that 1% of people in this country own 40% of the country's wealth, while the poorest 40% own 1% of the country's wealth. We know the fact there isn't enough money for public education, public health, public housing, public infrastructure, because corporate Australia pays no tax legally. We know that. You know it. I know it. They know it. The corporate-owned media knows it. The government guild at ABC knows it. Every non-government organisation knows it. The trade unions know it. Everybody knows it. But why, why every day when you wake up, it's the same crap? You know, 25 million people living on the continent and we're told on a daily basis there's homelessness. There's inequality. People can't access the most basic services. They can't get a permanent job or a secure job. They're exploited at work. And the list goes on and on. We know it. And every day it's an issue. And why is it an issue? Because we've forgotten. We have forgotten. We are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. For far too long, we've relied on the courts to do the right thing. We've relied on the bureaucracy to protect us. We've relied on our parliamentary representatives to look after our interests. And we've relied on corporate Australia to do the right thing by the nation. What people have forgotten is that as far as corporate Australia is concerned, it has one responsibility. And that responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for its major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. So a few simple things by which to raise revenue from corporate Australia. And as I said last week, it doesn't need a revolution. It just needs a few politicians to become vertebrates, to grow a spine, to swim out of the muck they find themselves in and actually grow a spine. So what you could do, you could introduce a 1% turnover tax on companies and individuals that turn over more than $5 million in Australia each financial year. We've got a computerised world. Simple. 1%. You've turned over $100 billion. A miserable 1%. A miserable 1%. A billion dollars goes to the public coffers. You introduce a 1% stock market turnover tax every time a share on the Australian stock market is bought and sold. 1%. You can raise $30 billion a year. Now, I hear people who have got, you know, got their money in superannuation saying, oh, my God, that will affect me. Look, mate, in one day, in one miserable day, 
your superannuation can drop 10%. So what's 1%? Every time you buy or sell a share, what is 1%? One cent in the dollar. And then we could introduce a 10% taxation levy on the turnover of companies and individuals who trade in Australia who use overseas tax havens to minimise their tax. So our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Malcolm Turnbull, Teflon extraordinaire, man who, you know, is a social progressive, while a financial and economic reactionary, his little investment in the Cayman Islands, 10% levy. And what does that do? What that does is not only raise money for public health, public education, public housing, public infrastructure and social security benefits, it allows small and micro businesses which employ over 5 million people in this country every year, over one in two people who are employed in this country is employed by a small business, it allows them to compete against corporations that pay voluntary taxation and use their market share to destroy small business. That's what it's about. Interested. So what are you going to do? Well, in Melbourne, and you can do it in Sydney and Adelaide and Darwin and Fargaminda and Burke and Yay and Seymour and Perth and Broome, and Launceston, Hobart, Burnie. You can do it anywhere in Australia where you live and work. On the first Friday of the month, public interest before corporate interests, a new political movement which wants to redirect the conversation about corporate Australia paying their way so that everybody can actually share in the bounty of this country. You can join the public interest before corporate interest rallies. And on Friday the 5th of February, and on every the first Friday of every month, we will meet at 4.30pm. That's right. At Federation Square in Melbourne at the corner of Elizabeth and... Fl- sorry, at the corner of uh, Swanson and Flinders Street. We will meet there, we will assemble there and then walk to the headquarters of one of our corporate brothers and sisters who pay voluntary taxation. So this Friday, the 5th of February, we meet at Federation Square and then we walk to the 24-carat, the headquarters of the 24-carat corporate leaner, the Murdoch Group, to their little offices at 40 City Road in South Bank, at the so-called private space outside their office. Now, on the 4th of March, we'll be going somewhere else. And on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day, we're doing the same thing. And on the 6th of May and the 3rd of June and the 1st of July and the 5th of August and the 2nd of September and the 7th of October and the 4th of November. And you can do the same thing. You can download the material from the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, pibci, pibci pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. You can do the same thing.
You don't need to ask permission. You don't need to phone anybody. You can organise it because it's about creating an alternative narrative to increasing the GST. Because if we leave it to our political representatives, if we leave it it to a handful of people who own the corporate-owned media, there will be no debate about obtaining revenue from the corporate sector. There will be no pressure placed on our political representatives to pass legislation in Parliament that ensures that corporate Australia pays their fair share of tax. End of story. No debate. So if you are in Melbourne on Friday, the 5th of February, join us at Federation Square at 4.30. At 5 o'clock, walk with us to the Herald and Weekly Times building, Murdoch's flagship in Australia, at 40 City Road, South Bank. And what are we doing this? In a very peaceful, pleasant manner. What are we doing this? We are doing this to gridlock the streets of major cities and cities and towns across this country to ensure, to shame our political representatives into passing legislation in federal parliament that ensures that corporate Australia pays their fair share of tax. And I said, as I said many times, when our political representatives fear us more than they fear corporate Australia and their ability to dictate who becomes the government after the next federal election, and that's where their power lies. They are the kingmakers and the queenmakers. They can actually dictate through their monopoly ownership of the media, they can dictate what the political debate is. So I've got no interest in the corporate owned media of the Government Guild at ABC. They want to knock on my door and speak to me, fine. They don't want to knock on my door and not speak to me. I don't give a shit because we are the people we've been waiting for. We. Public interest before corporate interest. Interested in joining, becoming a member of Australia's fastest growing political movement and political party, public interest before corporate interest, over 520 members currently. Go to the website, download the download the application for Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Ain't got any money. It doesn't cost anything to join. Simple. Simple. All it takes is a tiny bit of courage and a desire, a desire to radically transform this country. Go to the website. You can email us at info at pibsy.net, info at pibsy.net. You can leave a message on 0439 395 489. Leave a name and a contact address and we'll uh, send you out the material if you are not computer literate and over half our members don't bother with computers. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano and I'm hosting today's program. Hopefully I'll see you at Federation Square at 4.30pm on Friday the 5th of February and then we'll see you outside the Herald and Weekly Times building at about 5.15. It's only a few hundred metres away from Federation Square. 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And if you, if you want to do the same thing, you don't have to ring us. You don't have to get permission. Look at what we've put out. Steal it. Pretend it's your own. Get involved. Because a few, you know, a few people doing something in one corner of the, you know, the country is not going to change anything. But a few people doing something in multiple areas around the country will have an effect, and that's what it's about. Okay, let's move on. Now, I like a laugh as much as the next person. I really enjoy a laugh. And I always get a laugh when I, when I hear stories about union corruption. I always get a laugh. I really find it fascinating. Fascinating. And I was really, you know, I found it fascinating um, to hear all about all the wonderful things that the uh, the Union Royal Commission to Corruption found. And I'm really fascinated when I hear our beloved Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, Malcolm Cayman Island Turnbull, that's his new name, Malcolm Cayman Island Turnbull, telling us all about the fact that we need to pass this legislation to stamp out union corruption. I mean, I've seen no Royal Commission into corporate corruption. I'm sure we'd find a few of uh, Malcolm's running mates coming in for a grilling there. But why this attack on the trade union movement? Well, it's simple. The history of Australia before and since Federation is a history of a continuous struggle between capital and labour. And between 1900, or between 1854 and 1975, labour had the upper hand. And all those reforms that make us, in inverted commas, the lucky country, as if God rained all these reforms down on us and we said, thank you, Lord, All those reforms came through the blood, sweat and tears of countless men and women involved in the trade union movement in this country. Irrespective of their shortcomings, and all human organisations have shortcomings. You know, we all have shortcomings. We all have clay feet, if everybody, you know, examines their lives. They're all things we've done we prefer not to have done. But that's the beauty about learning and changing. But if it wasn't for the trade union movement, all these things that make us the lucky country, hmm? lucky for some, wouldn't be there. And we've seen since 1976 the biggest counter-revolution we've seen in the history of this country since colonisation began in 1788. We have seen the corporate-owned media beat the drum of the corporate squatters, beat their drum continuously to roll back the gains that the trade union movement had won for Australians in this country. Now, the trade union movement has been legislated out of existence in this country. It is illegal for a worker to withdraw their labour outside enterprise bargaining agreement period. And if they do... They can be fined, they can lose their home, they can be jailed. That's the reality. I mean, we talk about the horrible situation that trade unionists face in China and Russia and Afghanistan, Iraq, North Korea. How about 
the situation trade unions find trade unionists find themselves in Australia, where to say you're a trade unionist is almost akin to saying you're a criminal. Because what we have seen is a 40-year struggle to criminalise the efforts of people to collectively come to ba- together and bargain to improve their situation and improve the situation of the country as a whole. That's what we've seen. Now, you may not know your history, but I make it my job to know our history. Because if you don't understand the past, you can never change the future. In 1825, six agricultural labourers, I think it was in Dorset in England, it could have been, but it was in England, swore an oath. They came together and swore an oath to work collectively. This was an embryo of the trade union movement. And for their trouble, they were sentenced to decades in the penal colony of Van Diemen's Land, Tasmania. And they were sent to Tasmania to be punished for swearing an oath to come together to improve their lot in life collectively. Because the thing the state and the Liberal National Party hates the most is the power when people come together collectively, the power they can collectively exercise to change things. So there's been this four-decade struggle to, one, legislate the trade union boon out of existence and, two, to criminalise the trade unions. And it has been exceptionally effective. I mean, trade union membership has dropped to below 20%. And most people, you know, hide their trade union badges under their armpit, worried that if somebody knows they're a trade unionist, they're going to lose their job. That's the situation. And in West Australia, where the CFMEU was destroyed, I mean, it's open slather, open slather, you know, for the uh, building corporations the property developers in terms of exploiting labour. So we have this legislation in Parliament which relies on the crossbenchers, whether it's passed or not. It's a little piece of legislation, and I can assure you that uh, Mr Day from Family First and the gentleman from the Libertarian Party have already put up their hand and said... Yes, we want this legislation, although they keep telling us they believe in freedom. I think it's the freedom to exploit other people. That's what they believe in. You know, we will support the legislation. And what does the legislation do? Well, when it was last in existence, over 500 building workers were called into a star chamber for the horrendous crime of attending a stop work meeting on a building site. That is criminal activity of the highest order. Criminal activity of the highest order. If only we had another New South Wales, we could deport them like they deported the Tulpartle Martyrs. But I think we need to remember, we need to remember that this is nothing more than a political ploy to destroy the ability of one of the largest non-government organisations in this country to actually be involved in the political process. Because the Liberal National Party is still smarting 
at the role the trade unions played in the Queensland election, the Victorian election, to the lesser degree to the New South Wales election. They are smarting about it. Because now that the trade union movement has been legislated out of existence, they are concentrating their firepower on trying to change the electoral outcome in various electorates across this country. So they need to be destroyed. This is not about corruption. If you wanted corruption, there are bodies which have been set up for corruption. You could set up a federal body that looks at corruption at both the trade union level, the corporate level, individual level, the political level, the judicial level, and the list goes on and on. A simple act of parliament doesn't take much, but I haven't seen Malcolm Cayman Island Turnbull, haven't seen him put up his hands and says, let's have this big, you know, Royal Commission or Standing Commission that looks at corruption in the federal sector. No way. No way, boys and girls, because maybe, maybe we would see the connections. We would see the connections that exist. Ah, well, that's the way it goes, isn't it? So, but... Again, you know, this is a campaign which is conducted in the corporate-owned media. And the trouble is with the government girl at ABC, everybody says, Joe, you are so cruel as far as the Australian Broadcasting Corporation is concerned. They do their best in difficult circumstances. Well, they don't do their best in difficult circumstances. We now have a situation where middle management has been infiltrated by political appointees as well as the board, which determine... Editorial content. Ooh, grave accusation to make. I mean, when you hear a talking head or see a talking head on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, they may be pontificating about some particular issue. But the dilemma is there's an editorial control. Most of these talking heads are on short-term contracts and if they kind of of walk out of their uh, bailiwick, you know the little criteria they're given, well, that short-term contract isn't renewed. Simple. Happens all the time. So people self-centre. So we've seen over the last decade the ABC basically become a mouthpiece for the Institute of Public Affairs. We see people being interviewed. You know, the left is the Australian Labor Party. What's happened to all those extra parliamentary groups that are involved in political activity and action? You never hear from them. You never hear from their spokespeople. You occasionally may get a 30-second grab, but that's it. No debate. That's not the fault of the presenters. The fact is, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation has been gelded. So you don't often hear trade union bureaucrats being interviewed, and when they're being interviewed, it's basically about negative issues. You don't see trade union bureaucrats being on panels on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. But you do see business representatives over-represented on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. You see that constantly. I mean, we all pay taxes. Well, sorry, corporate Australia doesn't. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? The people who don't pay taxes in this country, who don't fund the ABC, who don't provide the $1 billion which is allocated to the ABC every year to ensure that it continues to function... They're the ones who get to manipulate, 
whose voices appear on a regular basis and faces appear on a regular basis on ABC radio and television across the country. But those that pay taxes, pay as you earn taxpayers and small business and their representatives, you never see them. You never hear from them unless it's a negative story, unless they're you know on their back foot from the beginning. You never see them, you never hear them. That's the reality. That's the reality we face on a day-to-day basis. And that's why, as I said before, we need to create the political momentum which changes that debate. And the only way you're going to create that political momentum is by creating a political mass movement where people say enough is enough, now is the time that we look at this issue. The issue of why corporate Australia continues, continues to get away with murder. Not only get away with murder, but rewarded for murder. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Let's move on. I know a lot of Australians think that public assets belong to the people. Well, I'm sorry. I am sorry to inform you that public assets do not belong to the people. Their ownership is not incorporated in the Australian Constitution. And all those people who who think that a plebiscite on marriage equality means anything, well, it means nothing. It's bullshit. A plebiscite is not binding. You want marriage equality? You want a referendum. And if you win that referendum, it's incorporated in the Australian Constitution. And only the Australian people, through a vote, could actually get rid of marriage equality. Forget about a plebiscite. These people know what, you know, these people know. But getting back to my main issue, you know, getting back to my main issue, public assets, they don't belong to the people. They belong to the government of the day. Now, the sale of public assets has had a profound impact on this country. During the privatisation tsunami, which we've seen over the last 40 years, there have been profound changes. And these changes are based on a number of different levels which people don't seem to understand. When the Commonwealth Bank was privatised, courtesy of the Australian Labor Party, as well as the Howard Government... I think I was the Australian Labor Party of the Commonwealth Bank. Telstra was a combination of both banks. When we decided to go on the long journey towards joining the world's financial markets and giving up our sovereign rights, you know, for a bucket full of vomit, you know, this long journey, what we forgot is the first thing is the Commonwealth Bank was actually making money. It was a paying a dividend into the tax coffers. And to a significant degree, the fact there's not enough tax for public health, public education, public housing, public infrastructure, it's not just the fact that corporate Australia doesn't pay its way, but the fact that successful government-owned businesses are no longer paying a dividend to the Australian taxpayer because they've been privatised. So the first thing is when you privatise an industry 
we'll use the Commonwealth Bank as an example because it's been privatised almost uh, a quarter of a century. The first thing you lose is that revenue stream. The second thing you lose, and this is the important thing, this is the really important thing. The second thing you lose is the ability to stop cartels forming among the three or four major corporations which dominate that industry. And when those cartel forms, what little break there was on their predatory behaviour is removed. So when you sold the Commonwealth Bank, there was no pressure. There was no direct pressure on any of the other banks to actually compete. So we saw the introduction of all these new fees and charges. We saw the financial sector become the most profitable segment of Australian society. Isn't that funny? The least productive sector of Australian society, people who sell money to you, that's what a financial sector is, they sell you money. Well, they give you a bit of money if you put your money in their, in their financial institution. That's all it is. No break on their ability and their profits skyrocketed. I'll give you another example. Now, Mr Abbott, God bless Mr Abbott, at least he'd never came in Ireland trust, I don't think, looking after his affairs, unlike Malcolm, Cayman Island, Turnbull. But going back to Mr Abbott, he privatised Medibank private. Now, I know you all say, oh, well, who gives a shit? I can't afford private health insurance. You should give a shit, and I'll tell you why. $8 billion every year of taxpayers' money goes to subsidise the private health insurance industry. That $8 billion could actually build eight new state-of-the-art hospitals in this country every year. Every year. Every year. So you should give a shit. Currently, there's a big debate about the private health insurance industry increasing their fees by another 6%. They love to increase their fees by 6 to 10% every year. Now, do you know that if they increase their fees by 6%, not only will the people who take out private health insurance have to cough up more, but you as a taxpayer will pay an extra $600 million. Did you know that? Now, once Medibank Private was privatised, by God bless his soul, I hope he goes to heaven, because I'd love him to be you know, deafened by the harp music, but being a supporter of Cardinal Pell, he may not go to heaven, you never know. God will sort this out one day. She'll sort it out. So going back to what I was saying, when Medibank Private was privatised, the other big three in the private health insurance industry had no further competition. So what's the first thing that Medibank Private did? The first thing it did is it diluted its benefits to its members. So now when its members, especially its disabled members and its elderly members who need health facilities on a regular basis, go to a private hospital, although they may have a top hospital cover, they're asked to fork $1,500, $2,000 for every admission because they've reduced the rates they pay the private hospital to provide the service. No wonder their profits went up because 
Medibank Private no longer has a, it's no longer government owned, so it no longer has a responsibility to the community as a whole. Its only responsibility is to its shareholders to increase their profits, irrespective of the pain and damage it causes. Now I couldn't give a shit. Like I don't give a shit if people pay for private education or private health care. But if it's subsidised, and it's subsidised to the tune of 44%, there should be government members on every one of those boards. What other company would allow a board to be composed of of just 56% of the shareholders? I mean, this is ludicrous stuff, but we think it's wonderful stuff. So all those people in Medibank Private should be really annoyed with little Tony and all those people he represents on the Northern Shore, if he, he's put up his hand to be a re-elected, should re-elect an independent. Why would they re-elect a man who destroyed a public, a private health system which benefited his own constituents? But people don't understand. They don't understand. They think it's all private. When you send your kitty to a private school, God bless your soul, God bless your soul, fair enough. But why do you want taxpayers' money? Why do you need taxpayers' money? Why do you need that third rowing shed for the under-8s? Think about it. And that's another reason why there's never any money for public health, public education, public housing, public infrastructure and social security benefits. Because all that money that... The seventy percent of a str- the all that money that the pays you earn taxpayers pay, which is seventy percent of the tax total taxation revenue every year, it goes to subsidise private corporations. Whether it's the fuel subsidy, you know, for mining companies, four billion dollars, private subsidy for private healthcare, eight billion dollars, private subsidy, you know. Private education, I think it's about $20 billion. And the list goes on and on and on. Of course, there's no money for your little kiddies who are going to a public school because, really, we don't really need them, do we? Because there are no no grotty jobs anymore and they'll only just go on Social Security benefits, won't they? That's their thinking. That's the way they think. You're disposable. You are totally disposable. Not needed. Not needed. Not wanted. Not needed. And we live in a democratic society. You and I live in a democratic society. Well, isn't it about time we started thinking about that? There's already a few independents in Parliament. Shouldn't we see many more independents in the House of Representatives? Because remember, the Liberal National Party, the Australian Labor Party and the Greens over the next few months will be passing legislation in federal Parliament which will make it virtually impossible for small parties to actually grab a Senate seat. So it'll be, you know, it'll be their little their little club. They don't want people who don't wash in their little club, do they? You know? People like you and me. We don't use the right perfumes, the right soaps, do we? But that's the reality. We live in the land of milk and honey, don't we? The land of the trickle-down effect. So why don't you join me? I've got a large sword on the ground. And I can't lift it. I cannot lift that sword. Remember, think of the corporate table. There's all these people sitting around the corporate table, dividing the loot, 
and then occasionally brushing a little bit aside for you and me to devour and fight over. You know, we'll fight over it. He's black, he's pink, she's gay, you know. We'll fight it. We'll fight amongst ourselves. Why don't you help me raise that saw and cut one leg off the corporate table? Because you know what happens to a three-legged table. It collapses. It's destroyed. And then there's apples for everyone. So join us at the rally. Public interest before corporate interest rally. Friday, the 5th of February, 4.30pm, Federation Square, and then march to the headquarters of the Murdoch-known Herald and Weekly Times. Wonderful afternoon. Meet like-minded people. And if you want to do the same thing in your part of the world, do it now. Do it on the first Friday of every month because it's time that we change the political debate. Want to join public interest before corporate interest? Go to the website, pipsy.net. Not computer literate? Write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Can't write? Leave a message on 0439 395 489. Want to learn more about anarchism? Go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Write to me, same address, Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Remember, this is your chance to cut your links with the Gunner Tribe. Forget about the Gunner Tribe, losers. Forget about the somebody should do something about that tribe, losers. That's why nothing changed. Join us, become part of a growing political, social, cultural movement in this country, which will turn this country on its head. Help me raise that saw and saw off the leg of the corporate table so everybody shares, everybody, including our corporate brothers and sisters, we even love our corporate squatters, as long as they eat at the same table we eat. So join us. This is your chance. 2016 is the year we will change the face of this country. Individually, we do nothing. Collectively, we can change the world. We can create that new world in our hearts. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station Listening next week to your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network, to the Anarchist World This Week. That's it, folks, as some Disney character once said. That's it. See you next week. If I'm here and you're here, we'll talk to each other next week. If we're not, well, we'll talk to each other in heaven and hell. Who knows where. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of those fine folk at the Community Radio Network. Listen in next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.